Hello, and welcome to Talking Dad UK, the podcast where we discuss all things dad. You can follow the podcast at Talking Dad UK One on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Talking Dad UK on YouTube. Talking Dad UK at gmail.com. If you want to contact the podcast, interested in becoming a guest, got any stories to share with us, or some feedback, you can support the podcast at Talking Dad UK at Kofi.com where you'll see some short blog posts that are only available on the Kofi page. Um, you can support the podcast, some small donations, one-off donations. They'll all be much appreciated in helping improve the podcast in the future. All the links will be in the show notes. I hope you enjoy this episode and thanks for listening. Okay. Hello, Rob. How you doing, man? You all right? Thank you for having me on. Yeah, not a problem. It's good to have you. I've been looking forward to it. It's been in the works for a little while, hasn't it? Yeah, we've been um, chatting a little bit over Instagram, haven't we? That's it. I was trying to work out whether it was Instagram or Twitter or what, but it was definitely Instagram. And I think we started our podcast around the same time. I think you might have been a little bit ahead of me in releasing, but you were one of the first people when I kind of had a search for like new independent podcasts. Yeah, You were one of the first ones that came up, and I think that kind of... That's where yeah, we started. Yeah, yeah, that's where we started. And was that I, what I can't, I can't remember what the what you were talking about. I think I think I listened to one of your episodes and you had the baby on the way. Right. And then there was another episode, I think, where you were talking about the baby had come and it was all a bit quick and you had to do it yourself. And I think yeah. I sent you a message saying, Welcome to the club, because I've also caught a small person falling out of my wife. Yeah, that was right. Yeah. <laughs> so that might have been where we connected for the first time was over the birth of your son so it is a son wasn't it yeah yeah so congratulations on that anyway. <laughs> thank you yeah it was uh and then obviously we've just been following each other and back and forward and yeah. sort of commenting over i've been listening to well i think i've pretty much caught up on all of yours now all your episodes Excellent. um on your pod so any good, feedback <laughs> good, yeah good stuff i like it enjoy yeah, it is that right it's funny because yeah. like i don't really get to talk to many people who actually listen to it who I'm not mates with or aren't family. Like my mum has to like it. That's it, isn't it? Yeah. She does say we swear too much, but <laughs> well, no, that's fine. Do you just want to jump straight into dad stuff? Yeah, let's let's have the dad right. chat. So the one thing I know we have got in common is that we both caught human beings falling out of our respective wives. We have indeed, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how much of your story you want to share. I'm more than happy to share my story, but I've I've had um I've had a note on various technologies that I use of a solo episode discussing this very thing right, okay. um, as a topic that might come up. I was mm-hmm. going to try and do it while we were off on uh, while I was off on paternity leave. Mm-hmm. I was going to do something with my wife, and we were going to have a talk through it, like a debrief. Yeah, yeah, man, um, yeah, do that, man. But, That's um, far cooler than talking about it with me. No, no, she 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 was up for it, but obviously, it's just the baby was all new, it wasn't it? It, yeah. it just never happened, but. Um, yeah, I'm more than happy to talk about that. It was uh, a situation where we we planned a home birth because of COVID and everything else that was happening. We thought it would be safer and, and more reliable for me to actually be a part of the whole thing if we had a home birth. So we went through that whole situation of that planned. Um, so the midwife with different midwife team and all that kind of stuff, all the usual stuff, plenty of towels in the house, get puppy pads, shower screen waterproof sheeting for your furniture and all that kind of stuff depending on where you're gonna uh the birth's gonna happen so even 
I mean, he, he was just over a week late um, as opposed to our first, who was who was almost two weeks early. All right. Um, so we were well, we'll say we were well prepared. We had all the stuff sitting there waiting and we had the, the backup bag packed in case we had to go to hospital and all that kind of stuff. Like, it was funny because earlier in the day um, or the day before, my wife was sort of saying, oh, I hope you're going to get um, some nice pictures uh, uh, during uh, at this time. Because it was always got like a running joke in our house that I get the shit pictures and she always gets nice pictures of me and the kids and she gets all the, the natural looking ones that I get from yeah, bad it's angles. The it's, it's the opposite <laughs> for us. I, I take all the nice pictures and Hazel gets the ones, right? Stand there, you stand yeah. there and get some real posed <laughs> ones. And I, I, whether I've got a better eye than her, I don't it, know. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So, sorry, carry on. so she said, um, I hope you're going to try and get some nice pictures and stuff and because it's going to be at home and it's something to remember and cherish and all that sort of shit. And uh, <laughs> I said, yeah, because you're going to come to me and say, I think I'm in labour and I'll just say, well, wait a minute. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Let me set the tripod up. It's not going to work, is it? <laughs> you do so, with the Bluetooth shutters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> quick, quick. yeah. Let, hang on, just let me change the angle. Move, move. And then, no, it's not going to work. There's a joke about swapping lenses for the wide angle, but that's probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it was probably the day later, the night later, and then um, she said, I, "I think she." Well, we, we were in bed, and she. About an hour after we'd gone to sleep, she said, "I think I think it's started. I think he's coming. Um, I'm going to run a bath and I'll get in it." Now, with our first, it took the whole weekend. Mm. So I, I got out of bed, bleary eyed, and went in to check on her. And sort of, I thought I'd go to the toilet, check on her. She'd say, "Oh, I'm all right. It's not not happening yet," and I could go back to bed for a bit. And she said, "It, it feels different this time, and it feels like it's happening." So I was trying to sort of time contractions and stuff in between all the stuff you you try and do. They were quite short. And so we rang the midwife team and they said, okay, carry on as you're doing. Start making your way downstairs because that's where we planned it all to happen. And um, I'll send the message out to the, the, the midwife and she'll be on her way. She might, I think we've got enough time, but she might be, uh, we need that time because um, she was coming from Knutsford, which is about, you know, 40, 50 minutes away from us. Mm. Um, so, but, but don't worry. If anything changes, ring us back. So we got downstairs, started trying to set the living room up. I'm trying to put towels down everywhere, put the waterproof sheeting down, puppy pads, protect the sofa because that's brand new and it costs a lot of money. <laughs> so I'm trying to do all that as my wife is sort of doubled over in pain saying this is happening right now. And um, I said, well, I'll wait here a minute, and then I'll go back and ring the the, the, the midwife and we'll, we'll see what's happening, see what's going on. So as I'd gone out, made the phone call, I said, this is what my wife's telling me. Um, she said, right, I'm, the midwife is on her way. I can't get any message to her at the moment because she'll be driving, but I'm going to tell you to hang up and ring an ambulance because it's quite possible that he's on his, he's on his way now. Mm. And uh, then I walked into the living room to my wife sort of really desperate and frantic at that point, sort of saying, yeah, he's, I can't stop this. He's on his way. Um, so at that point, we rung ambulance, spoke to the call handler. They talked me through the whole situation. At that point, it's all adrenaline. It's all kicking off. There's no idea what's going on. Uh, remember thinking, I don't want to do this. <laughs> if there's anywhere else I could go, let's just go now. Um, and then uh, she said, um, can you, can you see anything? Can you see a head or anything? I said, no, 
there's nothing here at the moment. And then I put my phone on the sofa so that I could be with my wife on the floor and then mm. talk to the phone over to the side. And as I turned and turned back, then I could see a head. And then I was like, oh, shit, no, I can see a head now. And she said, right, well, this is what we need to do. And then um, sort of five, ten minutes, he was born and he was out in my arms, sat on the on the floor of our living room. And, and then five minutes later, the paramedic walked through the door. And then five minutes after that, the midwife walked through the door that should have been there an hour earlier. Mm. <laughs> um, and, it, and it was just me and my wife in the living room with my son upstairs in bed. And uh, we were just both sort of completely sat there in shock of, of what had just happened. I think that's perfect, to be honest, man. Because <laughs> I, I, like, I know it's kind of, it kind of feels traumatic and it kind of feels like this is what we pay our taxes for the maternity ward for. Yeah. But like, what an intimate moment to share with your wife. It's, it's, it's... Like, if you can get through that, there ain't going to be a lot that's going to get in between you. Yeah, it was uh, definitely one of their moments. In, the fact in, that you you say you want to be anywhere else, but the fact that you didn't go anywhere else, the <laughs> fact that you you didn't shit your pants and go and leg it, the fact that you you managed to help her, the fact that you got through that together when it's fucking tough. Like, sorry, excuse my language. You'll find oh, I swear an awful lot, but it's, it's fine. <laughs> scary, it, it's scary as shit, and. I'm in danger of belittling the, the, um, the, the female effort in all of this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it's like, if you don't fucking step up now, no one else is. This is on you now, right? You've got nowhere to go. Are you going, are, are you going to rise to the occasion? Because no there's no one else here to help her. No, that's it. You know? Yeah. So our story, <laughs> sort of similar, really. So we, um, Isaac, who... We were, we, did, we didn't know he was going to be a boy. Um, so, yeah, so we're ex- expecting him. This is our third one. First two, both two weeks late, both were induced. Um, Evan was absolutely fine. He's the eldest. Um, when Lily was born, um, she was induced. But when she came out, she was all wrapped up a bit. Um, like she had the cord around her neck and she wasn't breathing. And it felt like it felt like about half an hour that she wasn't breathing for when in reality it was probably about six seconds yeah. between her coming out and then untangling her. And like, that was like, I thought that was like the most traumatic, scariest, you know, it's like your baby comes out, it's meant to cry. Yeah. And and it, you just get silence and you're just like, shit. Yeah. That's, this is the, not the and, bit you were expecting. And then when, you know, and I'm just trying to hold it together for my wife because she's going, is she all right? And I'm going, is yeah. she all right? Yeah. Is she all yeah. right? Is she all right? Is she all right? And then she cries and like I just burst into tears with relief from that. Yeah. Isaac, our third one, we kind of expected him to be two weeks eight. We, um, and we were due to go in on the Monday or she was due to go in on the Monday to be induced. Um, so we um, knew that was the case. We asked Hazel's mum to come up to look after the other two. She came up on the Saturday morning. Um, Hazel was getting a bit fed up with being pregnant by that point because she'd either been pregnant or breastfeeding for about six years at that point because of the spacing of the kids. Like, so she was just fed up of it. Like, um, and then uh, I thought, I'll tell you what, we'll get things. We'll try and get things moving. Now uh, mother in laws here to babysit. I'll go and get some curry. So went and got us a curry, and then so she sat on you know the the um Banksy balls, yeah, 
they sit, so she sat on one of them eating this plate full of curry, trying to eat spicy food. Never, not working, not working. Sit down to watch Doctor Who. Oh, she gets a bit of a twinge. And then she gets another one. And then she goes, oh, I think things might be starting to move. So, like, the curry kind of did work. So she phoned, uh, she got on, the, got on the phone to the hospital. They said, well, yeah, early early days. Um, give it an hour and ring us back. So she did. And, like, things moved along a bit. And these twinges turned into a bit, you know, she could feel them a bit more. And they were coming a bit closer. But they were still sort of. 10 minutes apart or so after that hour so she phoned up and said what's going on they were they were like well yeah give it another 45 minutes or so and and then either ring us or come in and within about 10 minutes of that it was like yeah she's like rob i think we need to go to the hospital so i was like right ring the hospital tell them you're coming in so she so we found the hospital don't care, you're not going to put us off anymore. We're coming in. Even if we get there and you send us home, we're coming in. Get halfway to the car, which is about 20 yards away, and Hazel just stops. And she can't, like, the, the, she's hit with this, like, massive contraction. And she's just yeah. like, I can't fucking walk. I can't move. It's like, I'm like, get her in the car. We got about a 40 minute drive, you know, about a half hour, 40 minutes to the mm-hmm. hospital. Um, So we, we go about half a mile down the road, maybe maybe a mile or so down the road, and she, and she just goes, rub my water to broke while sat in the car. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, right, get my phone. So I'm driving now, like, and get, getting faster because you know, <laughs> it's dark, but my wife's water just broke. So if I get pulled for speeding, tough shit, because at least we'll get blues and tubes to the hospital. Yeah. Get the phone out, ring 999. Uh, put it on speaker. Yeah, my wife's waters are just broke. Well, then you need to pull over and let us come to you. So I found, found a pub car park, called it the pub car park. Um, yeah, and then they talked us through it, like, you need to get get her head down. So we got her in the back of the car. Um, can can you see the head? I can't see anything. It's pitch, it's pitch dark. <laughs> I've got an interior light and I can't see anything. And it was like, um, well, they said, well, have a bit of a, basically, they said, have a route around and see what you can feel. <laughs> and to be honest, I have a little bit of experience from growing up on farms, but don't tell my wife that's what I thought. <laughs> I, I, I've delivered I've delivered calves before and sheep, but don't tell the wife that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I could feel the head, and then it was just like she said, um, Hazel was like, I don't want to push, I don't want to push, but, and the woman said, if you feel like pushing, just push, like, and she did, and next thing I know, I, I had a human being in my arms. Yeah. And it, it it was really was like one minute there was nothing, and the next minute it was it was all there. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's just well, like I yeah, I don't have the words to describe. Yeah, like, now, he now was it wasn't do? there, and then he was. So and I, want... I found I found a jumper, and I wrapped him up in a in a jumper that had been kicking around in the car because we didn't have anything. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you weren't prepared. You know? Like yeah, at least we had stuff yeah. in the house. We were ready for it to happen. Yeah. The ambulance turned up about 10 minutes after. Right. The longest 10 um, minutes of your life. <laughs> by that point, to be honest, the baby was there and Hayes already had him feeding. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like, obviously, you know, we've been through it. I had babies before, but yeah. Like, yeah. Two things I will say on the whole whole matter. Right. You know how you, when you hear of an um, old baby being born in the back of the car and they talk about it on the radio and then they'll play the, um, like, 
the recording of the call to the um, operator. Yeah, yeah. There's no way they were playing mine. <laughs> Where the f- you know there's this fucking ambulance? <laughs> say, I'm having a fucking baby in the back of a fucking car in a car fucking, in a fucking car park, and you know there's yeah. no way they're playing mine on the radio. <laughs> but that was the time I realised quite how strong and fucking hard my wife is. Yeah. Like, honestly, I think she had taken a couple of paracetamol uh, like an hour earlier or something. But like to go through that and then everyone comes up to you after you, you sort of mention it to people that, oh, um, like you go back to work and it's like, oh, you had the baby. Yeah. Oh, was it all straightforward? Well, yeah. Apart from me delivering him in the back of the car. Oh, aren't you brave? Yeah. Me brave? What about my wife in the in, in in a dark car with her legs akimbo, not knowing what the bloody hell's going on? Absolutely terrifying. Human being out, out from between her legs. Yeah, yeah. That's brave. I didn't yeah. have a choice. Like, like I said to you, like I, I had a choice, yes, but well, it happens so fast. You don't happens. have the choice. Yeah, I will find because obviously I'm a bit further on with parenting than you are. Me and Isaac, like he's ten soon. We are really, really close. And I don't know if that I, I I like to think it's because I was the first one yeah. to hold him, the first one. Do you know what I mean? That yeah, yeah. But we right. are really close. He um he takes quite he takes like great delight in telling people like that story. So when he was at um like his first preschool, he went up to one of like the nursery assistants or whatever, and he was just like, um, Daddy's picking me up today. All right. Does your dad does your dad normally pick you up? Yeah. He caught me when I fell out of mummy. <laughs> That's so, a story and, to tell. <laughs> yeah. And like when I take him rock climbing and stuff like that, now um because I do mad shit like that. And um, when I take him <laughs> rock climbing and that, if he does have a bit of a stumble and I catch him, I, I I say, Oh yeah, caught you. And he's like, Yeah, you always catch me, Dad. Yeah. You know, and it's just yeah, and we are quite close. He'll come up and sit with me and have little cuddles and that. So hopefully you've got all of that to look forward to as well. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I'm close with all my kids. Um, But there seems to be a, a little bit of extra connection in the minute. Yeah. I'll probably go when he becomes a teenager. But Yeah, when he's telling you yeah. to do it, go and do all sorts yeah. of stuff. And <laughs> It's quite yeah. funny. I was talking earlier as well because um, I said to my pal Leon about and um, which is your favorite Iron Maiden record and he was like oh it's quite difficult it's like picking between your children who's your favorite children and I said yeah I know what you mean it's Evan today <laughs> yeah it's like and, but I do it all the time I'll say whenever it's something like oh you know it's like picking between your children I'll always say like it's one of them today yeah, and it, it always one. changes but I always say it because you're not meant to say one are you yeah yeah it's you, you get laughed at for saying you know, for picking, but I'll always pick one just to see the look on people's faces. <laughs> yeah, no, I can, I can definitely see that it, it is it is different because the first time around, we, like I say, we were there for the whole weekend, and we, yeah, my wife had planned a, a water birth again, like she did this time. She didn't get it either time. Um, I don't want to go for three, but you know, <laughs> that's a conversation for another day. But yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, so she would like it'd been a bit of a long weekend, um, and and she'd had some medication and stuff, and and it had slowed things down, and they'd gone a bit quiet, and we all had to sleep, and when we woke up, things weren't weren't as intense as they were the day before. So we went home, and then went back, and um, when it started again, 
and uh, she sounds she, like it was just major ball like yeah 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 <laughs> back into the hospital and stuff and yeah so then, then when we got in uh, well she got one foot in the pool and um, the the midwife said oh just stay there a minute because that's a good angle I can measure his heartbeat while you're there so she measured his heartbeat and his heartbeat the heartbeat had uh, dropped I think oh right and, okay. and so and so she said you can't get in the pool we need oh, to go right, into okay. another room. And as soon as she said it, like the doors burst open and about five mm. people come in with a trolley. Oh, for goodness and, sake. And we just whisked off into another room. But I was yeah. kind of, I went into the room with her, but I was kind of pushed into the corner, just kind of yeah. holding a hand at her arm's oh, length right, okay. while everything else was happening. Whereas obviously That's... this time it was completely opposite. It was just yeah. me, me and her. And um, obviously when he came when he came out, like the, the call handle on the phone said, um, you know, make sure you've got a towel ready. Um, grip grip his shoulders and his waist quite firm because they're quite slippery. slippery. Yeah. Don't drop him. And I was yes, like, get yeah. pressure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they said to me, like um, you know, make sure you grab him tight because he'll be slippy. Yeah. And I did have a bit of like yeah, yeah. almost like a second grab, like yeah, yeah. Like, like like a quick slip catch coming to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, but then they said, but the, the the lady on the phone said, once he's out. Make sure the cord's not round his neck, and yeah. and and tell tell me if he's breathing, um. But then just lay him lay him in that position, sort of by mum, and wait till the paramedic arrives. And there was like a, I mean, it was probably seconds, but it felt like minutes where he came out and he was quite purpley in colour, and and couldn't see him breathing. But I didn't want to let my wife know that he possibly yeah, wasn't yeah. breathing. Do you know what I mean? So it was just a bit of silence, and it was probably seconds. Have you and, told uh, her that? Yeah, Have you yeah. told her that since? Because otherwise you've just fucked that. Yeah, no, I've told her, yeah. No, because yeah. she was, she couldn't see. So she all yeah, she yeah, yeah. kind of see was my face and my reaction. So I was trying to keep it all just plain and blank and in the back of my mind, even though I was right in the middle of sort of this big adrenaline rush. Um, and then she was like, is he, is he okay? Is he breathing? Um, and I was just paused for a second because I didn't know yet. Um but then he was, and he was fine. Yeah. And and then obviously a few minutes later, the paramedic come through, and she was like, yeah. "Oh, should we put him on mum then, and just see if he'll he'll feed and all this?" Yeah, I was like, "Oh, handler yeah, told Hazel me to leave him already, here." Yeah, yeah Hazel had already. <laughs> I, I said, she said, "Just give him to mum." Yeah. She, by, the, by the time the paramedics got to us, it was only ten minutes later, but she was literally sat up in a in the back of the car, yeah, breastfeeding him. Yeah, you know. I tell you one thing, and I didn't really want to lower the tone, but I had to clean, clean the car the next day. Okay, now, man, <laughs> that was rough. It, it was bad enough in our house, and we were prepared, so I can yeah. I can imagine exactly uh, what you mean. But um, no. how are you finding them having two then to having one? Two's two's a very very different case, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. It's like two. Like for a start, it's really hard. It's it's a lot harder than it should be. I think you you would yeah. think that once you had that experience from the first one, but you know you know what to do. Close together. Yeah, you know what to do because you know what to do with babies. You've been through it and you just fall into baby mode again, don't you? Yeah, but, but at the what, same time, you, you're trying to manage toddler mode at the same yeah, time. Yeah, you've got the other one that needs got different needs and wants you for different things and at different mm-hmm. times and a bit of jealousy because you're always with the baby or. Baby's asleep, so I can't do that now, or I can't play that game now because baby's just fell asleep. Because um, how old's baby now? Three, three months. months like yeah, that? yeah. I'm saying like a stalker, but I'm only going from you on from from your podcast. Like, yeah. 
so what I found was that, um, and again, I really don't want to be teaching anyone to suck eggs or whatever. I found that when the second one came along, I would get a lot more time with the older one. Yeah. So, because obviously mum's primary caregiver because she has the breasts. Yeah. You know, and then, but so what we used to do when we just had the one is that I'd go to work all week. So Hazel would do all the night feeds. Yeah. Well, I say night feeds. Again, I don't have working boobs. So it's the same for us. Yeah. 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 So, you know, breastfeeding, it has to be on the mother, unfortunately. Yeah. She was really strict on him not being in our bed because she had had all the information about, um, do they is it still called cock death or sids or sids yeah yeah um and how you know it's not good to share a bed and this that and the other that goes out the window by the time you have the third one um but um once again yeah so hazel would be literally sat in a chair all night breastfeeding falling asleep in the chair so i could sleep to go to work and i worked we were up in scotland then so i was working for the forestry it was a physical job working chainsaws lugging timber around yeah yeah like like up past seven till five o'clock every day i was knackered but i'd come home and i'd literally take the baby off her sometimes they'd be sat out on the seawall waiting for me to come home and i'd literally get out of the van and grab the baby and go down the beach and hazel would go in sometimes i'd get to the house before you know it's like yeah. five o'clock right and then she'd go and have a rest yeah saturday morning i'd get up at about up past five six in the morning take him out you know so, so she could have a lion so saturday mornings i'd take the take the boy out in his pram around the golf course or along the beach or um, anything we could do to let his mum sleep for as long as possible. So we'd go up to the library. He had a library card for two weeks old just because it was somewhere for us to go and I could hand him over to the old lady behind the desk in the library and she'll go over him yeah, just so his mum could sleep. And then when our second one came along, obviously your, your um, attention split. Yeah. So the same thing would happen, but I would still take Evan, our eldest, and Lily would would stay with Hazel because she needed more of the. You know, it's that balancing act, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. You always need to be splitting yourself two ways. Three is a piece of piss in comparison to two. Yeah. Because, like I say, with the night feeding and that, Isaac would just be in our bed. So that, like, and and literally, Hazel Hazel would would, would sleep boobs out baby was there and if he wanted to that john it was that john when he wanted yeah you know and she'd sleep he'd sleep and i'd try not to squash him that is pretty much what we did with our first she'd tell me off if i have a little fondles they're not for you they're not yours anymore (laughs) um that's we had we started out with the best of intentions the first time around but he was such a poor sleeper um and only up until probably when he was three or four, it'd be five. He'd be five in uh, about three weeks. So, um, he was such a poor sleeper that that he ended up being in our bed anyway, just yeah. like that. Like you say, my Mate. wife was just asleep and they were out, and yeah. he could just sort of find his own way in the end. And yeah. I just had to get a perch on the corner on the edge of the bed and, and just stay out the way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that happened for years. <laughs> Isaac is ten in September, and at least two nights a week he'll still get in with us. Yeah, obviously Hazel's covered up now, like, but you know, <laughs> not not for breastfeeding, but you know, he'll, he'll still come in for a cuddle. Yeah, yeah. Like, up past three, four o'clock in the morning, he'll come and get in with us. Yeah, I quite like it to be honest. Yeah, he, especially where he's our youngest. Once he stops doing it, 
that's it, over. It? Yeah, and we're yeah. into smelly teenage boys and <laughs> non-stop wanking. <laughs> You've got to deal with that knock on every door before you enter the room. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> we, to be honest, we had a near miss. We um, caught our oldest, um, like middle of the night, on his phone, like staying up re- like until like two, three in the morning on his phone, and I had to. I had to go through his history to see what he'd been looking at and I was like obviously fearing the worst because he's like 14 nearly yeah yeah I think oh what's he looking at oh, I hope he's not looking at things he shouldn't be he's yeah. just playing computer games oh right okay time. but I mean but still he was sneaking around to play computer games in the middle of the night we, we don't want that to happen yeah but Pyro was like phew thank god it wasn't porn I'm not ready for that conversation well that conversation I, yeah. well, to be honest we're quite we're quite op- not open about that sort of thing but like I have discussed it with him like we went off hiking. We I took him on a hiking trip when yeah, when he was about eleven or twelve. And um that seemed to have a good time to have that sort of dad son conversation about girls and consent and yeah. um erections when you don't want them. <laughs> yeah. And all that sort of stuff that you've got come in and I've had to navigate and it's really uncomfortable and it's not fun. No, I've got to do but it twice do it. now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think the main thing we said just on like, cause I am worried about what they see and what their peers send them. And like, they get sent these TikTok videos on their phones. If they haven't got a phone, they get the piss taken out of them at school. It's so easy now, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And they, they're always just one click away from, yeah, anything i doesn't have to be porn it can be nastier stuff than people yeah. having sex on yeah, camera yeah it? yeah definitely yeah but i've had a big conversation with him about you know porn isn't what what you see in porn is basically like it's fantasy it's it's as real as um avengers endgame is real yeah it, it, it it's people acting it's people putting on a performance for the camera that's not how we treat yeah. people that we you know if we want to engage in sexual acts with people you know whether it's male or female whatever your persuasion it's about respect and it's about consent and it's about um it's about love and it's about tenderness and i, I think i even said to him like what what you see what you will see because he will he, he's not going to grow up and not see porn no and i said to him like what what you see is that's not what me and your mum do. Do you know what I mean? I know that's uncomfortable for him to hear. But he's squirming it, in his seat at that point. Yeah, but good. <laughs> no, it's a conversation yeah. that has to be had, isn't it? Yeah. But I think putting it into real terms, in terms yeah. of like, it's not real life. This no. is not what everybody does. This is... What you see on Pornhub is not what happens in every bedroom. In the, you know, it, it's performance. Yeah. And yeah. that's and it's not how you treat treat women. And I would, and I would say to him like you know he's got a mother he's got a sister yeah that's the that's the way to do it you know like always think it's someone's mum it's someone's sister it's someone's daughter and hopefully which, is, which has got to be a lot different to when like we were kids like it would have oh, been like a hedge porn. porn it would have been a hedge porn or a porn mag your mate had stole out of his brother's room or something like that or a tape yeah. that someone had found yeah, yeah out of the dad's collection or something and nicked I, it we probably shouldn't dwell on this but um were you ever involved in the weird thing of like you go around your mate's house right there'd be three or four of you and someone would just put a porno on in the background and like no one was watching it except for one of your mates who was trying to cover a boner up with a cushion yeah but like you'd all just be chatting on and there's porn on in the corner you're just like 
What the fuck's that on for? Who, who brought that? And somebody yeah. found it or and yeah. stole like, it out of the. And it's like, guys, like we're four, we're sixteen-year-old lads. I'm not watching porn with you. That's not cool. <laughs> Let's go out and skate or something. You know. Yeah, that's. We definitely need I to. Go out. I didn't think we'd get onto this tonight. No, but um, <laughs> I, I, we won't. Maybe we are. We might be the only two talking about it. Yeah, yeah, why not though? But I bet there's some listeners that have had that experience too. Again, I think um, any man who says he hasn't seen porn is a liar. And I'm not saying that as a bad thing. I don't think that. um, I don't think it's fair to tell the children. I think you need to understand what the children are seeing to be able to explain it to them properly. Yeah, and whether that's through. Oh, I don't know. Well, I think as I think as as a even if you're like you can't older, protect them if you don't know what you're protecting them against. That's right. And if you're an older parent, or let's just say a parent in general, we've just spoken about when we were kids, we might have mm-hmm. seen hedge porn, for example. Didn't happen all the time, but it was something, and it was a bit of a joke yep. and a laugh, and it wasn't, you know, it was what it was. But now. It's so accessible and kids can yep. just get things sent to them that they don't yep. have any control over. And once, you know, with WhatsApp settings or whatever, once you've sort of clicked on it, it downloads and it's automatically on your phone. Now, not every kid is going to know that that's happened. No. And they might not have even watched the full video, but they've got that on their phone. Yeah. So if you as a parent were checking your child's phone and, and you saw some sort of video that you definitely don't want them watching or mm-hmm. something that is completely inappropriate, that i.e. not regular porn, um, it doesn't even have to be pornographic. I mean, there's yeah. there's shit on the internet with just all like sorts, people yeah. getting fucking killed. Like, yeah, so yeah. Which, my but, language is terrible. No, but um, you know, they might not have even watched it, but it's downloaded itself and it's on their yeah. phone. Um, unless they delete it um, physically and get rid of it, then you know, it's so much more difficult now with it, technology and kids and phones. It's funny as well, like because like, I was talking to someone before about how. Um, I think we need to cut ourselves a little bit of slack as parents because it's like we're under so much pressure to like know where our kids are all the time and make sure they're not getting into bother. Whereas when I was a kid, like when I was 10 or 11, like we lived in Wiltshire and me and my mate Derek, we'd just literally walk out the door at half past eight in the morning with a sandwich and we'd walk back in again at eight o'clock at night. We had 20p to make a phone call off a phone box if, if you know, if we needed to get in touch with anyone no one knew where we were but as long as we were home by the time we said we'd be home if it, as long as we, you, do you know what i mean we, that, we could be out for 12 okay, hours yeah. but as long as we were back at about eight at night yeah that was fine yeah can you imagine letting a kid go out for 12 hours right now where they're going now no it's a different world though and i think we just need to cut ourselves a bit of slack sometimes because a lot of it's new to us like a lot of this technology wasn't around when like it wasn't a rain when I was 20, never mind. Yeah, that's mm. yeah, that's it. And I think, you know, in that example, you and your mate would have been out for that amount of time during mm. the day and nobody really knew where you were. And and like say you had a you could have used a payphone to contact them if you needed mm. them, but your world was a lot smaller because you didn't yeah. necessarily have the internet and social media and your phone and so you you were likely within a couple mile radius of your house anyway, wherever you used to go and play. Mm-hmm. Whereas now kids have got that wider access. We used to, to go the and raid the army skits up on um, Silvery Hill. Those um, yeah. so, uh, on Silvery Plain, they used it for like um, maneuvers and stuff. Yeah. And at the end, end of like a 
an exercise or whatever, anything they didn't want to take back, they'd dump in some skips. So we'd go skip diving. We'd find bullets in ammo cases and all sorts of shit. Like it's wicked. Yeah, I was like bullets, I, blanks, all sorts. Like I was always like on one of three sort of estates. Yeah. Um, at the back of my parents' house, between my parents' house and the school I went to, and probably the field in between that separated all them them housing estates. I was always around that area. But now it's like kids can contact anyone on the internet and social yeah, media it's and mental you know, jumping on a train and going to a bus, going we out, had two out of area. Kids. My my dad basically like Yeah, the two rules we had were come home when you say you're gonna come home, don't bring the coppers with you. Yeah. Um, that wasn't don't be naughty, don't get into trouble. That was don't get caught and bring the cop you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Do what you like as long as if I don't hear about it. Yeah, make sure you lose them before you yeah. come out. <laughs> um, no, I think, yeah, it's a different world, isn't it? It's quite scary, especially having young kids now coming up in it. I speak to a lot of teenagers that are going through it and they're just like playing the go-between between sort of what parents are going through and what they mm. expect and, you know, not being a million miles away from when I was a teen. If, I know, it's that, really hard. You know I, I mean? try and be the, I try and be like, I don't want to be the cool dad, but I don't want to be the asshole either. <laughs> yeah, the one who's I just mean, completely disconnected. The... Yeah, it's like I've, I've got a hell of a lot of respect for my daughter. I think she's amazing. She's like got her own style. She, like she's um, she just turned twelve. Yeah, just turned twelve. You had to think then for a minute, but she started getting into like um, teeny bopper, skate punk that sort of stuff, and um, like Avril Lavigne, and she, like she loves this Olivia Rodrigo. But she sort of developed her own sort of dress sense and everything as well, yeah. as, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I went over to Tesco's and I saw a group of kids coming across. And I was like, oh god! And they're all in their uh, their drug dealer outfits, you know, the north the north the north face tracksuits and that, and that's what I call them nowadays. See. To me, North Face is a brand you wear for going up mountains, but yeah. all, all, but all the dealers are wearing it now. All the chavs are wearing it. Yeah, yeah and that's, that's weird. That, anyway, that drives so, the and, price up. <laughs> and, and I saw, um, so I saw this group group of kids coming across. And I thought, oh, well, at least one of them's got a flannel shirt on. And I looked again, and it was my daughter. <laughs> and I was like, all right. So I went over, and as I go over, so I'm walking towards them, and there's like her and a couple of lads, a couple of other girls. And I thought, I oh, know, I'll. I won't embarrass her at all. I'll be really cool. What's up? What's up? What's up, bitches? And they just fall about laughing. Anyway, what what are you up to? I'm oh, going into Tesco to get a drink. Righto. I'm going in there to get some food. Have you got some money? No, I don't need anything. Holy shit. What? What? I'm offering you money. You're not taking money off me. So, like, there's that. And then, like, she had, she really didn't give two shits that she was talking to her dad in front of all her mates. Yeah. You know, and I was really proud of her for that. I'm not that embarrassing. Even when I try and be embarrassing, I wasn't that embarrassing. Yeah, that's good though. <laughs> but, um, really, really silly question. Um, are you enjoying dadhood? Because <laughs> it is hard. It is the hardest thing I've ever done. Absolutely. I think there are better days than others. Yeah. But I mean, I said this to some of my mates who. Um, you know, my new dad's over the past sort of 18 months, two years. And it's like, it's the best thing you'll ever do. 
and the worst thing you'll ever do at the same time yeah. because you'll have so many nice moments and highs and you will have so many moments of despair where you just absolutely tear your hair out and think, why the hell did I do this? But that is being a parent and that is fatherhood as well. So um, I can remember when Evan was about three months old, maybe a bit older, my dad said to me, he said, um, um, baby's all right, like Evan's all right. I was like, yeah, he is on the phone. I'm like, baby's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hazel, Hazel, all right? Yeah, yeah, she's all right. She's doing all right. What about you? Are you all right? I was like, well, thanks for asking, you know, because like normally it's just mum and baby, isn't it? You know? Yeah, yeah. And I said to her, I said, Dad, like, like I've, I've always worked hard. I've had jobs where like I start at past four in the morning and I don't finish till six at night and it's physical manual work. It's like proper grafting. And I said to Dad, I like, I've never known tiredness like this. And that's with one of them for three months. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'd work a chainsaw all day, every day, and feel much more alive. Like, and they, but having that on top of it, and then it, it like, and then I suppose as it, as they get older, it changes. Yeah, it, it goes yeah. from I don't just have to keep the that initial bit is like I have to keep them alive. Yeah, and obviously you're in partnership with your wife on that, and she's the main caregiver and the you know bearer of food and all of that stuff. But like between us we have to keep this human alive yeah and then as they get older it's we have to instill the morals in this child to make sure they're a good person when they grow up and now it's like we have to make sure that they have enough of an education to be able to make something of themselves or not even of an education just that they're they've got their head screwed on enough to actually do something in the world yeah and, and you like you have all that sort of all the variables that come into play, like we found, yeah. like school, for example, he, he pick up and they learn so much from school and from the other kids that when they were at home and they were just yours and maybe they went to nursery a little bit, mm. they were quite sheltered and they never had all that. And then they come home spout like spouting off all the stuff that another kid's told them. And you're like, yeah. well, actually, we don't say that in this house. Or, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? And that kind of thing. And it's just, it, as the world sort of opens up, you have to sort of be there to kind of yeah, and it's ever changing, and it's always yeah. like commute. Like, um, wonder whether we maybe made more of it than we had to. But I really wanted to listen to Kanye in the car, right? But I've always listened to music which has got like explicit language in it. Yeah, in the car, I, I like. I'm a big believer that um, an artist is chosen to use the, these words to convey what they're trying to say in this piece of art i've seen music as as a as an art you know some of it like some of the throwaway pop is more commercial but some you, yeah you know yeah. we call them artists for a reason yeah. and if uh if the artist chooses to swear then that is a choice of the artist in the production of that work yeah um at the moment the olivia the olivia rodrigo album when i listen to it on my phone because it's an adult's account on yeah. apple music i get the f-bombs okay my daughter because she's under 13 gets a censored version right i don't believe my daughter should get a censored version of that piece of art she should hear that piece of art as it's intended however obviously in rap and hip-hop there's a certain taboo word which yeah. i would oh. never ever want my children to repeat but if I'm going to have that music on around them, they need to know about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? They need to know that I need to explain to them 
the reasoning like like why that word is taboo i need to explain to them that it's a word that's been using to beat the black community with for hundreds of years yeah that why, is not well, all right yeah. for us to use you know and yeah. it, you know and it's conversations like that that you, you don't expect to be like when you first have a little baby and it's perfect you don't think in 10 years time i'm going to be telling them why using the n-word is you know well outside the boundaries of of common decency you don't yeah, you, yeah. You, do you know what i mean and yeah, it's like yeah just yeah. so i can just just so i can listen to a record in the car <laughs> yeah yeah but like at some point you've got to have that conversation so why not have it when they're 10 instead of they're 14 absolutely I've, I've, I've always you know played my music in the car and my son my five-year-old quite likes yeah. my music and always has and uh you know he'll, he'll put motorhead on or i'll put yeah. I put something on and he was bobbing his head and he said, can we listen to this tomorrow on the, uh, on the way to school? And, you know, I don't always notice that it's got swear words no. in it. Um, and he doesn't notice. We don't make no. a big deal of them. No, that's it. But when, but obviously when, when it does happen, there's a conversation to be had. But yeah. because he's five and he's gone to school, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. there are certain words now that he will yeah. come home and use that he's yeah. heard from friends and that we're trying to get him to not say. Yeah. And the moment they realise you don't want us to say it is when they say it every day. <laughs> this is my point. See, if I I've, I worry, my worry was that if I were to say to them, I'm like, if they say to me, like, the N word is used repeatedly on that Jay Z and Kanye album, if they were to say, what's yeah that word mean? Um, I'm quite uncomfortable talking about using or talking about not using the words. So never mind. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, if I just say, Oh, it's a naughty word. I don't want you to hear it. That then gives it. Oh, it's a naughty word. I know a new naughty word. Aren't I I'm cool? Gonna I'm going to drop it, it all the time. Like, yeah, but, yeah. But by actually taking the time to explain it, and where the kids are older, and that can it does go yeah, in, and it's yeah. not. Whereas at five, it, all you've got is it's a naughty word that we don't want you to use. Yeah. Daddy doesn't want me to say this. Yeah, yeah. But, when they get a little bit yeah. older, <laughs> you've got a little bit more yeah. scope for explanation. And again, and... I think it's kind of treating the kids with the respect that they deserve i don't think enough people do treat kids with enough respect to be honest i mean they're switched on intelligent human beings at the end of the day even if they are only 10 or 11 or 12 they know what's going on in their world i think once they start to hit them teen years and pre-tweet yeah. pre-teen -pre yeah. um the only way you can approach them and work with them is is by that mutual respect yeah. otherwise you lose them and you know, think they so, think, yeah. well, he doesn't know what he's talking about, so I'm off. I'll speak to my mates because they Look know. They speak to me. Old listening to Kanye. <laughs> and I think that's there is a balance, definitely, because some some parents sometimes is just like, well, this is what I say, and that's what I expect, and you do it. And teenagers never do that, do they? It's just no. Uh, and to be honest, like, um, I find I'm a lot stricter with the oldest one, and that's really unfair of me. Yeah, I think I have high expectations of him. I, you know, I, even I, have high, I have high expectations of him because I know he has the potential to be brilliant. Yeah, but I also know he's a lazy shit. Yeah, and like I say to him, like if you can just work a bit harder, then when something does become difficult, you've got the skills to get past that. Yeah, who, I, who... I, I do think that they've been absolutely fucked over with this lockdown, with the school shutting and. Definitely, yeah. And, that. and now they're getting all the blame for any rising in cases in September. They'll all be blamed on them. And they've given up so much, so much for everyone else. 
Yeah, it's been tough. I mean, I, I heard somebody talking about it be, you know, possibly taking what, what, five years before we start, before we come out of the effects that it's going to have on them. And a lot of them will have left school by then, um, yeah. secondary school. And and I thought at the time, I thought, well, maybe that's a little bit extreme. It's not going to be a problem. No, it's not. The more, so, the more I'm seeing, the more I'm hearing, it is probably likely. My my eldest boy, so he done, he went up to secondary school, so year, year seven, um, obviously then school shut just before Easter. So he basically done a term in, a term in three term in two parts of his first year. Then he goes goes back for a bit and then it's shut again for the winter term. Right. And and in September he goes into year nine. Yeah. Like uh, he only went to secondary school yesterday. It's like <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden yeah. he's in year nine. It, this time next year he's doing his options for his GCSEs. Yeah. And they're not gonna. They're not gonna know what they want to do, are they? It's... He wants. Well, he wants to be a computer. He wants to do computer programming, but because of the restrictions and stuff in their school, he's not touched a computer at school for eighteen months. No. Or you, you know. Yeah. That's <laughs> it's tough. Like, it's tough on them, isn't it? And it's and like I think and sc- you know, schools expect a lot of them, don't they? They want them to yeah. be little adults, don't they? And, and conform and. Yeah, Just, without, my kids won't conform. I won't let them. I know. I might. Mine's only five, but I know he's not going to because he doesn't no, for me yeah. at home. I don't want him so, to. I just want him to just, do what I say sometimes. I know, that's it, yeah. <laughs> just to um, get a little bit serious about like the effects of this pandemic, I think like they're already being, there's already people labeling them as like the COVID generation. And I've already heard like they've had an assembly where they refer to these kids as a lost generation. Right, and I, which I think is really sad. I don't think they're a lost generation. I think they're gonna have to. They're gonna be re- have to be really resilient and work really hard just to get anything out of life. I think they're gonna surprise a lot of people in what they achieve going forward. If any, if anyone's gonna save the world, it's gonna be this generation of kids that are sixteen and under. Now, your kids and my kids are gonna be the ones that save us from climate change. From, you know political upheavals, pandemics, whatever you want. It's going to be our kids that that, that, that save us, you know. Yeah, a lot yeah. of what I say to the kids now is like, um, you know, there's an awful lot of stuff where it's like, you know, oh, well, because of the, the lack of education, they'll only be good, you know, the, the only jobs they'll get is like working in an Amazon warehouse or delivery driving or, you know, the state, state our economy is in, it's really, we just have a service economy, don't we? Yeah. You know, we sell we sell coffee to the people who uh, who go to work in an office to advertise coffee. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, that, that is our economy now. Like, um, but what I'm trying to get to my kids is that, you know, there's other options out there. Find something you love doing and do it and do it as well as you can. And if that's music, if that's video, photography, art, if it's a sport, if it's rock climbing, like my youngest one wants to be a professional rock climber, but so that's why that's from, you know, find what you love to do, do it as well as you can, then worry, then work out how you're going to get paid for doing it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If one of my kids says to me, Oh, I'm going to do an apprenticeship. I'm going to do, I'm going to become a plumber. You know, just then I've got a trade for a backup. I've failed. I should be their backup. 
I should be I should be facilitator for them chasing their dreams. If my boy, the eldest one, wants to be a computer programmer, I've said to him, "That's great. We'll we'll teach you. We'll we'll, we'll get everything we need for you to learn Python or whatever. I don't know. I think it's Python. Some some yeah, com- yeah. programming language. I can't I can't do it. I can't help you with that. I'll find out how to help you with that." My daughter wants to be a police. She wants she's wanted to be a copper since she was like four. You know, she's twelve now. She still wants to be a policewoman, a police officer. So if that means going to university so she can go in a little higher up or whatever, then I will do everything I can to get her to university to do a course if that's what she still wants to do. Yeah. If my boy still wants to be a professional rock climber, I will happily fund him for as long as I'm funding her in university, I'll fund him to go to America to climb. Yeah. You know, if that's where the money is, if any of them say to me, I'm going to get a job, I'm going to learn a trade as a backup. I've failed. You know, at the same time, as when I'm talking to my um, boy about the computer programming and that I say to him, like, what do computer games need? Like, well, story, right. So write some stories. Yeah. What else do they need? Oh, well, like graphics, right. Do some drawing. It's not just the programming. Do everything that's around it, but you'll find. And you can do all of it. Some aspect of it, you know. Yeah. Lily's yeah. a bit different where she's got a profession in mind. Yeah. You know, Isaac wants to be, be rock climbing. So I take Isaac out rock climbing three times a week. Mm. That's why we that's why we moved to Portland because we've got so much rock climbing on our doorstep now. Yeah. Because because we love it. It's something we love to do as a family. But yeah, if they ever say, Oh, I'm gonna get nothing there's nothing wrong with being a tradesman at all. I I, I like to say that I've worked manual jobs my whole life. There's nothing wrong with that. I just don't want that for my kids. I, yeah. I don't want them to work as hard as I did. I want them to do something they love doing. So it's not a job. Paid for it. Yeah. 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 See, so, I got, when I left school, I didn't want to go into college. I, I wanted to enter the world of work. I wanted to earn my own money. I wanted to be independent. I wanted to get, I wanted to be a step ahead of all my mates, as I thought at the time, that we're going to college, that we're just continuing school in my eyes. Um, well, that's all I did when I went to college. I just kept, did school for an extra, two, fucked a bike for an extra two years. Yeah, yeah, and then I went and got an apprenticeship in 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 the butchers. Yeah, I, I I'm, um, I'm vegan now. <laughs> I got um, I got knocked back so many times mm. f- f- from from doing that, and I was looking for apprenticeships. I was like, you know, quite high regard, well established places in this area that if you get an apprenticeship with them, you set for life basically. You work there till you retire, you'll have a good pension and blah, 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 everything else coming along with it. It's job for life. I tried all these places and got knocked back, got told no. Um and in the end I just kind of thought, you know what, fuck it. I'll do it myself. I'll go and do my own thing. And at that time I worked with my dad for quite a, a few years and it was, I was like a painter and decorator and yeah. did a bit of building work and it did a lot, but I really enjoyed it. Unfortunately it didn't pay and it didn't pan out as well as I thought it was going to do. So I left and I went and did my own thing again, but I've always had that attitude of, yeah. well, if it's, if no one's going to give it to me, I will go and find it and I will go and do it myself. And I so um... developed that myself, but, but you know, it's, not all of our kids are going to have that, and, no, and that's no. and it, it's not without its downsides. I would say because there's a lot of shit that comes along with thinking that way as well. <laughs> you yeah, can make so mistakes. We, um, I walked, I walked away from like a twenty six grand a year job in the parks department in Northamptonshire, 
because I just had no, I wasn't spending any time with the kids at all. And we moved back to the Isle of Wight, and I worked for myself doing a gardening range. Yeah. And we we were broke, like proper broke for ages. Well, until until now, until we've moved down here now. But we it, we weren't broke because I couldn't earn the money. We were broke because I chose the time. Yeah. I chose, I, I'm going to knock off at half past three, pick the kids up, and we're going down the beach. I'm going to take Friday off so we can go off camping with yeah. the kids. I prioritise the time over the money. And now they're a bit older and they don't want to hang out with me. I've got the job with the pension. Yeah. You know, and I'll be honest with you, I don't like my job. <laughs> I'm fed up of it. I've only been in a year. I don't like my job that much. I, I'd rather be hanging out making podcasts and making videos and writing and being creative. That's what, you know? Me too. <laughs> but that don't pay the bills, unfortunately. Not at this stage. It, it, no, but if the kids can... Yeah. Have you got... So what, what are the plans? Like, obviously, you have some kind of idea of where you want your podcast and that to take you. Yeah. Have you got a sort of rough idea of what, where you want to be in a few years' time? Or is it just a case, like, I, like for us, um, I just want to consistently... But when I not consistently, I just want to, yeah, consistently make something that I'm happy with and put out there, and it's almost like a creative release for me. Yeah. Rather than I don't ever expect it to make me any money. I'm happy to put money into it because that's the cost of it being a hobby. Yeah. Whereas I know some people are like uh, into like getting sponsors and you know building it up to be as massive as possible and earning a living from it. I just. Mm. I enjoy it. I enjoy doing it. And it is it is a hobby at the moment and it costs mm. me money, basically. Um, I'm trying to be creative and thinking of ways that it, it might create some income just to reduce uh, the amount that I have to put in because I've got, yep. obviously, all the stuff, um, house, family, whatever. Um, if you played golf, how much would your golf membership cost you every month? That's what, that's the way I look at it, T. If, my, if I had a hobby, like yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if I went to a fitness gym, every month and you know that's it yeah, yeah. you would you or would if i play if i play video games how much that's is a new video it. game every month that's the way i mm. kind of look at it yeah. in a minute and that's yeah. the money i'm willing to put into yeah yeah you know. i mean i would love at one stage in the future if it became something that could generate a bit of its own income mm-hmm. but also keeping in line with what i want it to be which is me, you know, basically having all the control and say of what I do. Yeah. But at the same time, being a resource and an opportunity for like dads and men to to talk more and have the opportunity. And but at the same time, having little other branches off that mm-hmm. where we can talk about music or I can do a couple of YouTube videos about whatever it is I've decided mm-hmm. to try and branch off into. If it if it could sort of sustain itself a little bit. Yeah. Um, then I suppose that that would be a huge success. So the, self-sustaining rather than yeah. um, paying the mortgage. Like. I don't think I'm ever going to become rich off it. I mean, no. maybe if it if it did, if I could do this every day, all day, obviously there would be loads more episodes, loads more guests. The quality would be probably a lot higher because I'd have that much more time to spend on it. Mm-hmm. Um, my YouTube channel would be full. I'd be all over social media every day. I'd have it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It, um, But... But would I'm, you be happy? 
<laughs> would I? Would I? We don't know. We don't know. But I'm working full time. I've got the yeah. kids. I've got the house. I've got two dogs. And and this happens late at night like this is now. <laughs> um, and I'll have to squeeze the editing in somewhere else next yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, if it was something that made a little bit of money and just sustained itself and I could keep doing it alongside and, and as a hobby, then I think that was a success. I've had this thought for a long time about, um, I mean, they call it passive income. I don't really think yeah. it is passive because I think you have to work bloody hard to get enough passive income to yeah. generate stuff. But like in the past, I've like, obviously I've got this podcast now. I've done a, my, um, blog about hiking and camping trips and that sort of thing um and i've i earned a little bit off that just for my affiliate links and stuff yeah, but yeah. i think i think last year i think i earned 80 pound off it but that paid for the hosting for the year that's it that. yeah, yeah but that's taken me like six seven years to build build get enough people clicking through my links to get to that point um and then um i've done like some writing in the past i had another blog where i'd put like my short stories and flash fiction and stuff like that up and entered a few competitions and won 20 quid here and a an amazon voucher there for short story writing and it, like i always have this dream of like if i can get enough different things all earn, like if i can earn 10 percent of my income doing a podcast and 10 percent doing writing and 10 percent yeah. making videos and then it would all add up i don't think it's ever going to work to be honest but you know. I think it's something you have to, like you say, you have to work so hard at it to make it, and it's just constant yeah. promotion and putting yourself out there. So I could go and get, I won't bother. But, um, my wife's got a book written by Neil Gaiman, you know, right. that he's the comic book artist, and he'd done yeah. like Good Omens and stuff. Like, he's, he's like iconic yeah. comic man. Like, and he always says, like, if you make art to make money, you'll struggle. Right. But if you just focus on making good art, the money will come. Right. Which is kind of a nice little incentive. Focus on making the thing as good as you can. You know, which comes back to punk rock, brings us full circle back to punk rock. And it? that's that's punk podcasting as well, yeah. isn't it? So like my ideal podcast to do would be around like uh, the hiking and rock climbing and that sort of thing. But I just haven't got anyone who would do it with me. Yeah. But and I also found that like during lockdown where I wasn't able to do so much of that. And that is like my passion. Right. I've like, even the, um, the blog or the website that I do on that is slipped because I haven't been able to do it. And now yeah. that I can do it again, it's too important to me to be something else as well. If that right. makes sense. I just want to go out camping on Dartmoor for the sake of camping on Dartmoor, not because it may provide content for my website. Yeah, you've got to do it because you need it's, something yeah. else to write about. Yeah. Whereas, like, and as much as I love love my music and my records and bands, at the end of the day, it's just talking shit with my brother about records and bands, and I can do that any day of the week. But I haven't got many days left where I can take my kids up a mountain without it being a frog march you know in a, root yeah. march, a frog march root march you, yeah. do you know what i mean it's like yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna savor the days i've got doing the really important stuff and if that means that my website slips a bit or slides or i don't do anything on it for a few years that's fine because i get to go and dig a hole for my boy to shit in 
in the more. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Is that have you, have you got stuff like that planned for the summer holidays then? For them? Um, yeah, we have. Um, so I've just finished this week off. Um, they've gone down to um, back to the Isle of Wight to see Granny for a few days. Um, we should certainly go down to Dartmoor a few times because, like, a lot of wild camping is permitted on Dartmoor. Right. Um, so, and when I say wild camping, it's not pull the car up and they buy walk ten yards, pitch the tent up, have a kit. It's park the car somewhere, walk six or eight miles, pitch the tent up, have a kit, put the tent away. Next day, walk fourteen miles on a big loop back to the car. Yeah, you know. So, so like we go out on hiking trips for our holidays. Yeah, that so. I mean, when before my first son was born, I pictured us doing that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I've never got around to doing it with him. It's always right. been a case of we'll wait till he's a bit older and when he can. No, don't wait, don't wait, man, because you'll wait forever. Yeah. So we had that with the first one. We we're like, oh, do you reckon we'll get up Snowden this year? Oh, I don't know. He's only five, isn't he? And then, you know, should we go now? He's six. Should we go? Yeah, but Lily's only three. <laughs> and then we got it got to the point that Evan was like, so Evan would have been like seven or eight eight yeah Evan would have been eight and I said that we can't wait any longer and it was like but Isaac's only four well if I have to carry him up we're going because I can't wait until Evan's if we wait until Isaac's big enough Evan's going to be too big to want to do it yeah so Isaac my youngest climbed Snowden at four like and he didn't let me pick him up one little bit yeah um but a couple of years later he was like five and five and a half and we hiked the West Highland Way up in Scotland. So that's from Glasgow up to Fort William. That's yeah. the best part of 100 miles, 96 miles. That's Carrying all our camping gear in that. Good going, isn't it? Yeah, it's five. Like. And carry all our gear, trowel for a toilet, go and dig hole for the toilet. Like, brilliant. I love it so much. Like, And like now we've moved to Portland, we've got rock climbing all around us. Yeah. I mean, Camping, something I always did as a kid. Um, we haven't done it so much in recent years, but um... difficult as well. Like, because after, after like last year, where everything was shut down, I think people are just trying to make as much money as they can. Because yeah. we priced up, a, we priced up a campsite for the five of us, so that's two adults, three kids, and you're looking at like forty-three pound a night. Yeah, and that's in, that was like in the middle of Devon, like not near the coast, like. In the, just in the countryside somewhere, hardly any facilities. And when we, if we have to use a campsite, we don't get there till like half past seven at night because we've been up on the moor or been out doing fun stuff. And then we're away again at half past seven in the morning. So we yeah. don't really use it anyway. So at 43 quid a night, I don't know where people get the money on to be able to go on camping holidays. They're going to cost you the best part of 250 quid just to pitch a tent. Like. No, that was it for camping holidays. It was always a, a, a cheap option. Wasn't Meant it to like, be a cheap option. Yeah. yeah. But it's, so it's... what we do is we'll go off. We'll, um, we'll drive the car somewhere. I mean, one year we um, drove up to the Brecon Beacons, parked the car in a little village hall or community center in a village. Um, and then we walked about eight miles up onto the, Penny Van Mountain, but there's I call it a massif. It's not really. It's like three or four mountains rolled into one. Do you know the Brecon Beacons? A little bit. Yeah. So we got up onto the side of uh, what they call Fanny Big. Yeah. And then that runs on into the Cribbin 
up onto Penny Van, which is like the biggest mountain in, say, for the UK, yeah. and goes around to Corndu. There's like four peaks. But we walked from the car, we walked about eight miles, pitched up the tarp on the side of the mountain, and then got up early next morning and did the did the summit. Yeah. And it, it cost us nothing but petrol. Kids need a toilet, you dig all. Deal with it, like, you know. Leave no leave no trace, you know, make sure no one knows where you've been. Take all yeah. your rubbish home with you. That's one of the things is um in terms of wild camping for us around here, there probably are quite a few places we could go that I'm not You're aware North of. Anya, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, northwest. Yeah. So you what you what hour to the lakes? Mm, yeah, hour and a half. So up in the lakes it's like it's going to be different after COVID, I know, but um, or after the pandemic, because people are a little bit more what's going on over there. But yeah. there's kind of an informal rules in the lakes as if you're above like the vast of the dry stone walls and you're up onto the up onto the fells, yeah. then you're pretty much fair game to pitch a tent as long as you do it last thing at night and you're away fairly early and you leave as you found, yeah. you probably get away with it. If a farmer comes along and says, oh, what are you doing? And, and you're, you just say, oh, I'm just having a camp with my kid. Um, if it's a bother, we can move on. Nine times out of ten, it's going to be absolutely fine and say, oh, you're all right. Yeah. If, you're a bunch, if you're a bunch of kids up there with a load of cans of beer having a party, it's a different matter. But if you're just, you know, yeah. sleeping up there with your boy in the in tent. I mean, you've got the peak near you as well. Peak District's brilliant. Yeah, probably not that far around to Snowdonia. That's probably only a couple of hours around to North Wales as well. Yeah, it? it is. Yeah, there's some brilliant places I can give give you a whole list of them. Could do with that because that's one of the yeah. things I've been thinking. If I went myself or me and a mate, it'd be different. Um, whereas when you take your kid with you, it's like, oh shit, well if I can't find anywhere or somebody kicks us off in the middle of the night, where well, we're gonna go? And I've never been moved on, and I think there's even less chance of it when you've got the kids with you. Yeah. Because like, who's going to move on to see my kid? And the other thing as well, so we did a, me and Evan did a big hike around the new forest. We did um, like 50 miles around the new forest in three days and made a film of that and entered that into the um, new forest film festival a few years ago, made the semifinals, which is pretty good for yeah. um, an iPhone not mounted on a walking stick. So again, just making stuff with what we've got punk rock yeah. hiking films yeah so um but yeah and that got us got us we got a prize for that um but yeah we got woken up at four o'clock in the morning with from a dog walker finding our tent and she gave me a mouthful and i said well i'm sorry i might walk in with my kid we didn't get as far as we had hoped so we've pitched up quietly we'll be gone we'll be gone soon it's only because you're right so whether you've even seen us you know and that's that's the closest i've ever come to yeah being moved on so definitely something i want to try and do with take him out yeah it's easier with a kid it's quite it, like the, the first time you go out is quite nerve-wracking because especially um like like camping on a campsite is is one thing but then you really are in the middle of the nowhere and you don't know you know you've got all, all always got that you know who's hiding behind that wall or yeah. what's you know what's going to come around the corner but if you do a 10-mile hike beforehand, you're probably going to sleep. Yeah. You know. That's so, tire yourself out enough. That's it. That you, 
you don't sit up worrying. <laughs> yeah. So I reckon we, so yeah, it was that probably that Snowden trip was the first one we did. Um, we've obviously done loads of different mountains in um, North Wales. Haven't really been up to the lakes much with the kids, been to the peak a little bit, up around Stanage Edge, up around like, like the Sheffield side of the peak. Again, that was more when we were looking at like bouldering and rock climbing rather than um, wild camping. Um, loads of stuff in the New Forest we've done. Uh, we did a trip in Mid Wales on Glendower's Way. We got about 45 miles into it's a, the trail. I think it's about 140 miles long. It starts off at uh, Knighton on the border, not far from my mum and dad's house. And it goes into McKinliff and then back out to Welshpool. Right. Um, and, you know, and it, it doesn't really go into the big mountains, but it goes across like that, that central Wales region, which is really quite remote in places but we got about 45 miles in and woke up to four foot of snow on the tent oh, wow. and then we thought well we'll give it a go and we got up on top and it was just a complete whiteout and navigation was horrible and the tent was wet and it just got to the point like this is dangerous yeah so we got off and you know made a phone call and got picked up right so while we do we try and do it like is much adventurous cool stuff as we can we do know there's a there's a limit yeah you know and like at the time i would all, i would try and write stuff up onto my blog so the blog is um just up the trail.com um and on there you can find stuff that i've written over the last few years various hiking trips um mountain climbs canoe trips down brecon canal yeah loads of it but like i say to be honest as much as i love doing it I'm kind of moving away from documenting it now because I love it so much. I don't want to always be thinking, oh, we'll do this. It will be good for the website. And it's just more important to do stuff for the, for the sake of doing it now. Yeah. Yeah. What, what else have you got planned for the kids then, family-wise, over the summer? Well, we have – because we've not been here. Like, we moved here during last lockdown. Okay. Well, like like last year during the lockdown i moved in the may and then hazel came in the june um so where things have been open and shut and open and shut we've not really had a chance to have a real proper explore of our new area i know that sounds silly after about 18 months but we're going down to this adventure park they've got like a mud run so we're going to do that like a muddy obstacle course like a tough mudder type thing yeah and then they've got like a wipeout course across a couple of lakes so we're going to give that a go that's a paid for thing. Um, we spend a lot of time on Dartmoor because the camping's really easy down there. Um, it's only a couple of hours, two and a half hours of traffic. And there's so many different places we can go. Um, and like I say, wild camp. And you're up on the hills. You've got the stone tours, the granite tours all around you. So, you know, there's always climbing at the, at the top. You can hang around. You can pitch your tent up at seven o'clock if you want instead of yeah. waiting till it's dark. Um, that's one of the benefits. What I do like about Dartmoor is the um, there's quite a lot of water, so we can go swimming in the quarries and in the in the streams and stuff. That's always really cool. The kids like that. That's pretty wicked. Yeah, it's it's, it's almost like there's too much to do. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, I moaned about living on the Isle of Wight because there was no decent rock climbing, and now we've come to Portland, and there's like really good rock climbing all around us but we always go to the same place because it's where the kids like and it's quite accessible and it's fairly safe and i only go climbing with the kids you know so that's quite but 
It's better than the alternative, which is no rock climbing. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I did, just did you, I remember you were talking on um, one of your podcasts about trying to book somewhere for a holiday. Did you get somewhere sorted? <laughs> um, we found it everywhere so expensive. Um, yeah. Even down to a couple of nights in a guest house or B&B or something. It was just yeah. way overpriced. So we were going to give up. <laughs> um but um, family members actually got a caravan that we can use. Oh, excellent. So we are going to go on caravan in um, Langollen in a couple of weeks' time. All oh, right, wicked. That's got the, uh, has that got the viaduct? Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool there. Yeah. You're not too far from there to head into Snow- Snowdonia if you want. Yeah. Day trip. Like, that's really cool. Yeah, so we're going to go there for two or three nights i think yeah. um luckily enough family member to the rescue it's not going to cost mm-hmm. us an arm and a leg which mm-hmm. everywhere else we looked was so we were going to give up and not bother going yeah. and just have you know a couple of days out with the kids and stuff but um yeah we're going to do that and then make it we've been before but we just tend to last time we stayed on the campsite and we had a wander yeah. up round, walk around walk up the stream stop off at the pub, have some eat and then go back. Yeah. And that was it. But it's a break though, isn't it? And it's a change of yeah. scene and sometimes that's all you need. Yeah. Whereas this so, time we've got more days so we can do a bit more and we venture yeah. out a bit. So May half term, we went down to Dartmoor and the original plan was that we'd go down there and would do this big hike. They call it the Two Moors Way. So you go across Dartmoor, then a bit of open country, then across um, Exmoor. And you, it's almost like a coast to coast of Devon. And I, I'd been a bit stressed from work and, it's a bit pissed off and a bit down after like kids being off homeschooling and it just all yeah. a bit too. And it's like putting so much pressure on this trip. I just, in the end, we just said, do you know what? Let's just go, go and camp on Dartmoor and we'll go down. And if it's four days camping, you know, and uh, do some hiking and whatever. Great. And in the end, we, we did like three nights camping. I think we'd had a couple of good day hikes of about 16 miles each day you know didn't really go too far didn't really have to go anywhere and it was just really chilled out and it really done us some good you know just to take that pressure off actually if a break yeah so like this last week i've been off work and i'll be honest i haven't gone anywhere i've just needed that break and just been chilling yeah been been down the we've got some rocky beaches so we've been scrambling out, out scrambling on the rocks around portland bill and that um we uh yeah did a bit of climbing a bit of walking it's all really chill like yeah we I'd, I'd had a few days off um earlier in the year but because i work from home most of the time i'd love a job I'd work from home. yeah it was uh it was just a case of like doing the same things i do mm. but not work it's just being at home there's a few jobs around the house and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, it gets a bit much of the same, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Stuck indoors and you do the same routine over and over. So just felt like we were ready for get out and do something different, yeah. change the scenery. We can go out on a few walks. We can venture off to the, the I think they've got a steam railway over there or the viaduct or you know, a couple of other things on the list we might be able to do. Um, so we'll do so, that. Um... Have you, you've not been camping even on a campsite with the boys then the oldest one uh no not even done no, that yet because um i always worried like i was saying like we'd always put we put off taking evan up mountains and stuff because like either he wasn't old enough for his you know it's 
you know, you kind of wait for them to be bigger because what if yeah. they don't cope and this, that, and the other. And I've always found like whatever challenge we put in front of them, whether it's walking a hundred miles through through Scotland or whether it's like climbing mountains or going rock climbing off a sea cliff here in Portland or whatever it might be, they've never not risen to the occasion. They, I'm not saying we've managed to complete everything, but everything we've done has been amazing. Even yeah. the time where we had to bail on it. Yeah. And again, getting back to what we were talking about, the kids and like missing school through lockdowns and stuff. These kids are so much more capable and so much more resilient than we ever give them credit for. And every time we set them a challenge, they meet it and they surprise us and they are like, I know I'm biased because they're my kids, but they're three amazing little people. Yeah. It, yeah. They're just, you know, I know I've called one of them a lazy shit in this, that and the other, yeah. but it, you know, I wouldn't change them for the world. I think they're fantastic. Like, yeah, and I, th- I think mine would really benefit from doing something like that soon, probably during this, yeah. this summer holidays. Because don't put it off. Don't don't think oh he's not big enough. Yeah. Even if it, you know, even if it's go out on a Friday night or a Saturday night, leave it like while you still got you know. Let's say what time is it dark up there for you now? About half past eight, not quarter to nine. Yeah, something like that. That's not too late for him, is it? No. Head, have your dinner at home. Go out and find a hill somewhere. Not you know, drive for forty minutes or something. Walk walk for twenty. Pitch a tent up. Have a kit. Yeah. You know, wake up, get up early next morning, go in for breakfast. Yeah. You have you you're not going to climb a mountain and you know think oh shit I can't do it. Yeah. That's it. it. Just get him out. Have maybe. a go. Like, yeah. Put Just... the tent up. If you put the tent up in the back garden. Make you know, so we, so the first time he's in a tent, it's not on the side of a hill in the middle yeah. of nowhere. Yeah, you know, get like he'll love it. He'll absolutely love it, and especially if it's something he does, you know, for the time being, it's just going to be you and him. That's it. You'll, both, give him, you'll both get so much out of that. Give him that little bit of um, one. I try and make a again. point. I try and make a point every year. I take each of them out on their own at least once. Right. So like. So Evan came around the new forest with me. Um, this guy, we didn't last year because of the lockdown and it's been a bit tricky this year, but generally. So the last time we did it, me and Evan went to the new forest and we made a film of our hiking trip. I took Lily for a night out on the downs on the Isle of Wight and me and Isaac went and had two nights on Dartmoor. Yeah. And we met, met, with a, met up with a friend down there and went hiking and camping and paddling in streams and stuff, you know. But I just and it's that time, that one-to-one time that I think as dads we don't get. I think mums get a lot of that because where they're generally the primary caregiver, you know, and especially when they're small, there's an awful lot of one-to-one time between the mother and the child. And like, well, I don't know if we necessarily miss out on it. I just don't think there's as much of an opportunity to, yeah, do that. And especially like if your wife's going to be looking after the little one while it, while he's tiny, yeah. You could just, you know, she ain't gonna worry if you're taking them off, taking the other one out of her hair for a while, is she? That's it. That's what I was thinking. We could, yeah. we could me and him at the weekend go and yeah. have an adventure. <laughs> you'll all, you'll always take more stuff than you need. Yeah. Okay. So essentially, you need a tent. You need a roll mat, whether it's one of them little foam ones or a blow up one, and a sleeping bag. 
you might want to take a change of clothes for the kid. You don't need to change your clothes. You can stink for a day. Yeah. Take to take a take a small trowel to and some toilet paper. You know, if 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 you can bear burn in the toilet paper after he's used it, then do so. Or you've used it. Otherwise, dig a hole six uh, six to eight inches deep. Have a good aim. <laughs> cover cover it all up. Yeah. You know. Or as kids can get get caught short, let him do what he needs to do. Then dig a hole and bury it afterwards. Deal with it afterwards. Yeah. It's not, that, that's all you need to worry about is, you know, sh- shelter, food, hygiene. It's easy. Take hand sanitizer with you. If you go wild camping and someone hasn't got hand sanitizer, don't go wild camping with them again. <laughs> They're not to be trusted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're definitely going to try it. We're going to do yeah, something man. anyway. Um, Get him out. <laughs> cool, excellent. It's been great Hopefully, to speak to you. Yeah, brilliant, man. Thank you very much for this. I look forward to having you back on our show. Okay. Yeah. All right, mate. Brilliant. Cheers, Jamie. Thank you very Cheers. much for that. See you later. Take it steady. Bye. Bye mate.